This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Kolchak the Night Stalker, episodes 7 and 8. The old cliche that politics makes strange bedfellows is only too true. At one time or another, various and sundry politicians have found themselves, when it proved expedient, of course, sharing a blanket with the military, organized crime, disgruntled gun-toting dairy farmers, the church, famous athletes, the comedians. The list is endless. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that made a deal with the devil for all its incredible success. I'm Luke, <laughs> here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? We did a terrible deal with the devil, if that's the case, huh? <laughs> yeah, this is it, man. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> hey, I do have two separate things that could possibly be what's real. One is something I noticed about the show that may or may not be interesting to you. And a second is a little interesting tidbit that may or may not be that interesting. Are you curious about either of those? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? I've got, I've got some tidbits myself for a little segment here. Okay. So. Well, here's one thing that I think is only interesting to me and Kevin, which is I found out that, uh, uh, what's the actor who plays Kolchak? Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin. He's wearing a toupee this whole movie, this whole show. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Again, I, I, oh, it's only interest, interesting to, uh, you and Kevin love yes, a good toupee. We love actor. a good toupee and noticing toupees. So apparently he's been wearing a toupee this entire show. It's, usually you, you catch it immediately. So I'm surprised. No, you it's a, yet. it's a very good toupee. It's like a William Shatner original Star Trek toupee. It's very high quality. That's the one thing. And then something I noticed, and I don't know if this is actually a thing, but I was, for some reason, I was thinking about Auto Man and how Auto Man had a couple settings where, you know, he's at home with Auto Man and he's in the office at the police department. And something I noticed in this show, we've never seen where Kolchak lives. Have you noticed that? Oh, that is true. I would very much be curious as to yeah. where Kolchak lives. I was watching last episode and I was like, he never goes home. And I'm, I'm curious if that's going to be a thing where we're never going to see what he looks like lives because I'm also curious. Yeah, it's it's... It is weird. There's. I keep waiting for the world. Like they keep teasing the world growing. Like he goes to a bar. This one of these episodes where he lo- knows the bartender and they mm-hmm. seem to have like a real friendly but like tête-à-tête relationship. And I was like, I like this. Like why doesn't he come to this? Or as they call it in the show, this gentleman's club. <laughs> well, you know what? You mentioned it. About half of the time, it works really well. Uh, the world building in this show because they sort of just give the impression that all these people have had known him from past cases. And then sometimes it's clumsy when they were are like, he's like, oh, uh, I need information on keys well johnny's a key guy and you're like okay guys this is a little too convenient yeah yeah it's it's it can go either way but it, it was a thing where i was watching at this bar i'm like oh wouldn't it be great if like one of the regular locations is the like like his cheers or something i'm like yeah. i'd be down with that that is good all right well jordan since we're talking about behind the scenes sort of uh, that's my that's my segue it's pretty good I did a little. I did a little looking into the creative team behind Kolchak, and we've obviously talked about David Chase quite significantly and how mm-hmm. he was a script editor on this. So I won't. I won't repeat that information. You just did. Hmm? That's safe. <laughs> People love to hear it over and over again. But I did want to talk a little bit about the creative team that sort of put this together originally, and like some of this goes back to the TV movie. So this will be really new to you in some ways. Okay. Um, but like Kolchak originally, it, because there were the two TV movies beforehand, the original one was based on a unpublished at the time novel. So there's a novel that was written, had been unpublished, but it was called The Kolchak Papers by a man named Jeff Rice. Hmm. And uh, you'll notice he's he's credited with creating Kolchak on the TV series. 
only because he sued the network just before the series came out because they were not going to credit him at all. To be fair, probably made sense that he would get credit. Now, uh, maybe you don't have this information, but how did the other person, I'm assuming, involved who got it into a TV show format, how did they get a hold of the manuscript if it wasn't published? Well, I can tell you exactly how. Because the original two TV movies were written by Richard Matheson, author of I Am Legend. Oh, really? So I am assuming these two ran in similar circles, given their kind of books they were writing. So he actually had written it. And you'll know him from his TV and film, probably like Star Trek, Twilight Zone, Jaws 3D. (laughs) The best of the series. (laughs) Um, And so he had come along with Madison, written the original script, written the second script. And um, he was not involved in the TV series at all. Like apparently him and the original producer decided that they they just weren't that interested in, in continuing it, beca- partly because they saw it was going to be a little bit too Monster of the Week, and they weren't interested in going that direction. Right. Though, interestingly enough, they had started writing a, a third Kolchak TV movie um, that sounded great. It's called. It was going to be called The Night Killers. Yep, keeping the theme going. And uh, it was going to be about uh, android replicas. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's not bad. I would have watched that for sure. But yeah, so they, these were the kind of guys who originated, and they ended up not sticking around. And we, we've talked a little bit about the ups and downs, and like, a, a few, like the first producer on the show was fired because he was butting heads with Darren McGavin. They brought on another one, and he still fought with that one. And we've talked about how Darren McGavin kept trying to kind of take control and try to mm-hmm. make it work, and was kind of uncredited and unpaid for all his work trying to keep the show afloat. And I'll mention, I did watch uh, an interview with David Chase, and I don't know if it was the same one we had mentioned before, but he really, he kind of puts the blame on Darren McGavin. He just kept saying he was a real pain and he was really hard to work with. That's oh, what, interesting. So yeah. they weren't they weren't a team, they were well, against each other. I think they were working, but he just, I think he, he kept saying he was a pain in the ass. That's what he kept saying over and over. <laughs> it's very funny. It does sound like he was heavily invested in the show in a way that's... Uh, both interesting and surprising, but also maybe just like, I don't know. It's nice that he cared. It's nice that he cared, but maybe also to a pl- problematic degree, you know? For sure. Well, um, there is one last set of notable writers that we haven't got to their episodes yet, but this will be very interesting to see when we get there. Assuming we get there, but mm-hmm. I, I think we're, we're not going to see will, anytime yeah. soon. This series was the first professional writing credit for collaborators Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale. I saw that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so the Back to the Future team has an episode in here, and I'll be very curious to see it. I mean, I'm sure it suffers from just having to be a Monster of the Week episode uh, that fits the formula, but who knows, maybe it'll be a little treat. But let me say this about the Monster of the Week thing. I keep hearing that brought up anytime about the show, about like, oh, it's a shame it became Monster of the Week and stuff. I don't know if that's such a problem with the show. Like, what else is the show going to be? I think I think the actual problem is not so much Monster of the Week. It's what monster you pick. I think that's more of a problem. I don't think this, you know, what do you want? A more serialized take on one villain over a season? I don't think that's as good. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Because I agree. Like, some of the episodes are better. They're all Monster of the Week, but some are better, some are worse. Yeah. And honestly, we'll, we'll talk about these two episodes in particular. But, like, literally the second episode we're going to talk about today seems to be taking the literal structure of like the vampire or the zombie and that's where it doesn't work is when they just like do the exact same plot over and over I and over absolutely again. agree with you like it's it, you watch and you're just like well this feels like the first four episodes of the show like repeated identically yeah. it's almost it may be pretty too much yeah the show works best and i think is these next two episodes would be a good example of what works and doesn't work when it's a little bit esoteric it's a little bit uh, hard to define and the villain is even kind of hard to define i think that's when the show works its best yeah absolutely um but maybe on that note we'll get into the uh, first episode mm-hmm. 
Here is the IMDb summary for Episode 7, The Devil's Platform. Great title. A promising young politician has made a deal with the devil to gain the ability to kill those running against him in ways made to look like accidents. How much was this like the TV movie Spectre that we watched? Oh, I hadn't thought about it, uh, but quite a bit. I actually kept thinking this is very similar to the plot of Omen 3. Oh, really? I don't know if I've seen Omen 3. I believe that's the one with Sam Neill. Uh, he's he's uh, he's he's Damien now. He's all grown up, and he's running for, I don't know, senator or president or something. Oh, no, I have seen that. It's not very good, is it? I mean, it's an Omen movie. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I like I like the, me even questioning, like, the third movie in a in a, in a in a series i'm like is it very good it's like no, it's probably not it's probably the third best of them yeah yeah oh that usually the third one's the best one usually that's when they finally figure <laughs> they, it out they really found their footing yeah anyway this one begins uh with a couple of deaths tra- tangentially related to the illinois senatorial election um a millionaire uh, political donor's car goes off the road and <laughs> explodes in a series of stock footages yeah i love that it must have been from some sort of disaster movie right yeah so, something else uh, it looks right though to be i fair. agree it looks good and then a, uh, a speechwriter for the incumbent senatorial candidate, uh, his yacht explodes. Mm-hmm. Isn't this the one where they all they and then like superimpose an explosion on it? Yeah, I think so. I think they just had footage of a yacht and footage of an explosion, yeah. not both together. Right, right, right. And of course, then we meet the uh, there's there's an upstart political candidate, the people's candidate, who's running against the incumbent, a man named Richard Palmer. It's Robert Palmer. Ro- oh, sorry, I apologize. Robert Palmer. Yeah, Robert Palmer. Played by Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt, or as you call him, uh, the poor man's Tom Selleck? <laughs> well, he, it is interesting. There's a couple actors where they're just like, this is what I look like. And Tom Skerritt's one of those guys. He's like, guess what? I have a mustache. So every character I play has this mustache. And you're like, all right. It'd be weird if he didn't, right? I mean, I'll be honest. I was super excited to see him. I love Alien. It's like, and I'm like, oh, what a what a great piece of casting for uh, for a little Kilchak's Actually, episode. you're right. If we were like, you know, casting the show like we've done sometimes, he's a great guest star. He's the exact level, the exact type of actor that works really well because he's a good actor. He's got a lot of charisma. He's watchable. And he's not like just, you know, uh, number seven on the love boat that comes out for an episode. I will give it to Kolchak. I think a lot of the side characters, well, we haven't known who they are. They tend to at least cast, into, like, even even Updike, who's the uptight guy at work. It, you were happy to see him. He's yeah. a good actor who's really bringing a lot to a, a role. And Vincenzo, is it Vincenzo? Yes, absolutely. Every scene, I like that his character, it's as if he's one stressful incident away from a heart attack. That seems to be <laughs> know, that seems right? to be what, what his character uh, does every scene. <laughs> Um, but uh, Tom Skerritt is playing this uh, political candidate, Palmer, and uh, he's at his campaign office on the 40th floor of the skyscraper, and his uh, his campaign manager is apparently tearing him a new one because I guess his campaign manager did some opposition research on him and realized he's, like, a huge crook. I guess he held office before and, like, was just, like, bribing people, stealing money. He was yeah. he's a real, real bad politician. But what I love, though, is I think this scene was really well written, and it's that... This guy is coming in and he's basically like, I'm supposed to be on your side and you didn't tell me how awful you are and A, B, C, and D, you've done all this stuff and he's really giving it to him. And you really get a sense of this Palmer's character because he's entirely unperturbed. He's just like- Completely unfazed by all He's just like, yeah, good, go for it. I don't care. And the thought is you're like, either he's so confident he can't lose or there's something else to it. But either way, you understand what he is right away. He's just- He's unflappable. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's a great, it's a great character. And so the the two of them, as they're having this argument, threatening to like the campaigners, I'm going to go blow the whistle to the DA on you. Mm-hmm. 
and they both they both board the elevator on the 40th floor, which then promptly plummets 40 floors, crashing, exploding in the basement of the building. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, of course, Kolchak happens to be there waiting for the elevator. I guess he was supposed to have an interview with Palmer, so he he races down to the bottom floor to uh, snap photos of the gruesome remains. Of I know. This is a weird thing they have, and you'll see it. it we've seen an episode and episode where. He runs to a scene and he starts taking pictures, but it never seems like he has a real direction or purpose as to why he's taking photos. Because, like, in this scenario, what is he going to get out of the photos? You can't publish those of this gruesome murder. Hey, Coltec's not going to miss an opportunity. He feels like a real ambulance chaser. Like, <laughs> yeah. He'll take anything he can get. He's had a hard life. Yeah, so yeah, he takes the photos, and the weird thing that happens is... The doors open, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, the police are also, well, they, I think it's actually security. They open the door, police come, there's all the dead bodies, and there's a dog there. Like, a, what would you call it? Like a Rottweiler? Was that? Yeah, like- kind of like a big Rottweiler. It's just alive, sitting in the elevator, and Palmer's nowhere to be seen, so you'll never yeah. guess what's going on. Yeah, I mean, they, they sort of tip their hat right away, but it's because it's not really the purpose of this episode. Yeah. But it has a, uh, I wouldn't... Not dog collar, more like a medallion, would you say? Yeah, it's kind of wearing a necklace, like a very satanic pentagram necklace. It's sort of a pentagram, but it's not really, I think, probably because of some sort of... uh... It's got a scary goat head on it. Yeah, so, but the dog immediately jumps out and attacks Kolchak, because he's sort of first in line, he's right there. Well, I think it's a classic thing that Kolchak is also flashing his his flash on his cameras going off. Mm -hmm. None of the monsters he meets likes that very much. They don't. It is a weird thing. No one likes his uh, camera, but he sticks with it. Um, So the dog attacks him. Doesn't really get a good bite. He sort of gets it off. It runs away, but he has been able to pull its medallion necklace collar type thing off. Yeah, yeah. He accidentally grabbed the the medallion off off his chest and the dog runs off, and it, it leaves to one of my favorite things that like if it if if tom scarrett weren't the actor in this if it were just somebody else this is the show i would have wanted but like there's a period of time here where kolchak just walks around going about his business in chicago just walking the streets and this dog is forced to follow him everywhere because the dog's just trying to get his necklace back and i was like i would love to watch an episode where like a man now trapped in a dog's body has to get a necklace off Kolchak. Kolchak has no idea what's happening. All from the dog's perspective? Well, and they cast a really good dog who's actually quite a good actor because it's like it's fun to watch that dog just follow him down the street. I agree. Like... The dog is a good actor. <laughs> I, I was really enjoying that dog. It's a very funny thing. But I, thankfully, I was I was a little worried they might go that way But because um, I'm like, you got to bring Tom Scarrett back. I don't want to watch an episode where he was in the first five minutes only. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think we're, we're saying too much because it's pretty clear right away that Palmer is the dog and yeah. there's some sort of weird weird satanic thing happening and because the necklace has been taking off taken off him he can't become his human form and again that's not ruining anything that's what they've they right show away. you right away well that's just it Kolchak goes to watch the televised debate but Palmer doesn't show up and then we just keep seeing the dog follow him around town and Kolchak will eventually de- like develop the photos he took of the gruesome elevator accident and uh Initially, the dog's in the photos, but slowly it fades out of the photos back to the future style. Okay, I didn't understand that, though. Was this just supposed to be some sort of mysterious, uh, mystical, satanic thing that the photo got adjusted? Because the dog never disappeared, so I didn't understand why it had this back to the future moment. Can you explain that? It is. I think it is supposed to be just like uh, Satan's power, because initially the dog is in the photo... And when he develops it and he's walking around talking about it. And then at some point they cut back to the photo and you see the dog fading out of the photo. And it's just, I guess, Satan can do it anything. Oh, okay. All right. Satan can do it all, Jordan. It didn't really have any effect on the episodes. I just thought it was a weird thing to add because it wasn't like 
that was his one evidence and now no one believes him no one believes him anyways right yeah i mean no one really believes him this dog's involved for sure so it was funny it was it's a way to isolate him but an unnecessary way oh and can i mention one thing we, we go back to the office a few times in this episode and we get to see old uh what they call her emily cowles now did you notice her name was edith cowles before and now it's emily cowles yes yes they i i read a little trivia about this they keep they they adjust her for a while because she was in i think she was initially supposed to be that lady who writes the uh, uh advice column mm-hmm. and they've just really played it. and she seems to be i have some notes about her here because she seems to be replacing miss emily seems to be replacing monique the intern because she's gone now yeah it does seem that way doesn't it but I really like this returning character in the end because she's like, when we first see her, she's coming back from a trip to Italy and she's like brought everybody presents like uh, artichoke pasta for Vincenzo and a new hat for uh, old Kolchak. Yeah, actually, that was a cute scene because she gave the artichoke pasta to Vincenzo because she's subtly implying it's something like like someone's mom would do. She's subtly implying that he's a little overweight, so we should eat healthier pasta. And then Kolchak, she's giving him a nice hat, but what she's also saying is your hat's ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it leads to a very cute sequence where Kolchak has to, like, put on the hat to not offend her and then sneak out and put on his regular hat. Yeah, and those scenes all work. I think it, it builds the world, it builds the characters, their relationships. And I, I wish, actually, they did more of this and they had those characters a little bit more involved because I think they're all pretty, they're pretty well-defined, right? And you could use them more, but I, it's just not what the show wants to do. Well, with Miss Emily, it's interesting, too, because they, she is the first character in this office they've introduced who is an ally, that's Kolchak. right everyone else is an opponent but we see a scene and it's always very fun it's a very funny allyship because kolchak is like censor far away to get a bunch of books on satanism later in the episode and you just see this old woman having to climb the stairs with like stacks of books hand them over to kolchak and then kolchak just kind of ignores her and she's just like well good luck my friend yeah it's, it's a very one-sided relationship and it's i think again it's well done because it tells you about both characters she's a very sweet old lady who's just kind of looking to please and he likes her because she's helping him but he never really gives her anything in return and she gets she gets a great line where uh, he hands off the books and she's like are all these books about satanism are you gonna read these tonight and he's like yeah i gotta read them and she's like well whatever turns you up (laughs) it's it's very cute i really like this character she's a big part of the next episode too and i was just like oh great addition great addition everybody i agree and i hope i hope they they use her in that way because i think somewhere along the the line they realized it's helpful for korchak just to call the office and have someone help as opposed to him showing up and having like like I think it was in the pilot, him just showing up and getting information from a mysterious person. Like it just didn't really work. And I think this is maybe their solution to that. Yeah. So now we still have like, you still have up to, you still have Vincenzo to add like tension at the office. And now you just have this little old lady, Miss Emily, who like was very helpful and mm-hmm. will always help Kolchak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, Kolchak is still on uh, his, his uh, assignment, which is to interview Palmer about the election. So he heads off to Palmer's uh, mansion where he finds that he's not at the mansion. His wife like kind of, Plays it cool like he's out somewhere, but it's quite clear we know that uh, he's still stuck as a dog. She more than plays it cool. She is, she's as abrasive to Kolchak as like every uh, sergeant and lieutenant in the police department is. I also, I, I also like, she closes the his face and uh, Kolchak just turns the camera and says, expletive deleted. <laughs> Always makes me laugh this show. Um, but of course, as he's leaving, as he's leaving the mansion, that, that dog appears uh, attacks Kolchak, like rips out the pocket of his jacket, gets the necklace back, and then as Kolchak's getting back on his feet, uh, Palmer, of course, appears around the corner and says, "Hello, it's me. Uh, I've just been grieving my dead campaign manager. That's all." And you know what I kind of like is, again, to Palmer's character, he's always 
very suave and um, very smooth. It, so so it's just like I think he almost even knows like I know this is sketchy, but I'm not even gonna call attention to it because am I charming? He, he's like I'm so charming. The devil's on my side. <laughs> yeah. Nothing's gonna touch me, baby. And that's I think maybe what it is uh, a good point, Luke. And again, this is not ruining anything, but he has made some sort of deal with the devil. That's what's clear with this necklace and stuff. And I think it's part of his character is that he's so confident because how can he lose, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, and I think to the benefit of this episode, like obviously there's the plot of Kolchak's figuring out what's going on as with every plot, but this one really allows you to spend time with Palmer alone as well. So it, it doesn't feel like it's just like trying to figure out who the vampire is. It's like, Oh, we all know. And now we get to spend time with the villain as well, because we, what we get is a scene after this, where Palmer had got, got, gets a call from his campaign manager's secretary, and she has invited him to like a park in the morning to, uh, you know, have a have a private conversation. And it's revealed that like she's an ex lover of his, and that like clearly he got her a job at the campaign. And anyway, she's she's testing the water to see if their love affair is really over. It definitely is. And he's like, and she's like, well, I've got nothing left, but I did find this letter that your campaign manager left with the DA's name written on it. And she's like, I, I'm sorry, but I got to blackmail you. I need money. Like, there's nothing left for me here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Palmer's really calm. He listens to this. He's like, so you're blackmailing me. And she's like, yep, sorry. That's what it's going to be. And then he just turns into the dog and immediately starts mauling her. And I was just like, man, man gets work done, man. Well, he's got that's always in his back pocket. Anytime there's a problem, you know, can you imagine you're at work and someone hassles you? You're like, you know what? It's time to maul this person as a dog. <laughs> it's like, eh, no, let's close this. Let's close this up right now. It's the old, you know what it is? He's got the old Joseph Stalin solution to problems, which is, what was the, the Joseph Stalin's? Is it when there's a man, there's a problem, no man, no problem? <laughs> no man, no problem. That's yeah. his classic reggae song. <laughs> Stalin's classic reggae yeah, song. He loved reggae. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't go quite as well, like cause, because he's doing it in broad daylight. Like some people see a dog mauling a woman. They shout some police drive mm-hmm. up. As with all Kolchak villains, the dog just like takes bullets like nobody's been, like you just can't kill you can't kill a villain with a bullet in the show. And uh, one of the cops, the one who gets the line is uh, he's a, a character actor named Robert Dequi. I don't know if you've recognized him. He's been in lots of stuff. I mostly know him weirdly as one of the few actors that is in all of the RoboCop movies. He plays like the lieutenant in all of them. It's just like consistent. They couldn't even keep a what's his face who played a uh, RoboCop. He had to get a replaced. Weller. Yeah, uh, a Weller's gone. Uh, but but this guy stays through all the movies. Anyways, he's a good actor. He, he been through lots of stuff, and I I like that he got a little part in here. Yeah, there's a nice little scene here where Kolchak and him talk about the dog and how it just like seemed the dog seemed to want to take the bullets just to like mock him. Yeah, yeah, it, the, the dog's just as confident in dog form as it is in human form. Very confident, very confident, this Palmer. Um, so the secretary survives, and so Palmer later that night has to sneak into the hospital and uh, kill her in the old-fashioned way, I guess, uh, some sort of uh, strangling or turning on medicine or something. Yeah, I think what it was was death by uh, overdose. I think whatever medication they're having, he just sort of cranks it up, and then they, they, they. I don't know. I don't know if it entirely works, but it's just a fast way of doing. It. You know what? Anything's anything's better than having someone take a pillow and put it over their face. We've seen that enough. It's true. And I mean, honestly, like, it doesn't really go anywhere, but it does lean to another great scene where there's there's Kolchak's like confronting a doctor trying to get the truth of what happened to this woman. And the woman's just like, she died of a stroke, man. What do you want me to say? And and then it, it, Kolchak's like, is that your official statement? And he's just like, and she's just like, well, you know what they say, Kolchak, different strokes for different folks. When's the last time you had a checkup? And I was just like, this woman just like make fun of Kolchak's health. Well, there was it was a weird thing. What it is is they say she died of a stroke, and then she's like different strokes for different folks. And I was like, 
I don't think that's what that phrase is meant to. It meant to evoke. It's not meant to evoke literal strokes. Well, I think she was trying to imply that like Cole checks up for a stroke next due to his unhealthy lifestyle. Perhaps. Anyways, I did like this actress. Um, for a second, I thought it was Majel Barrett. I don't know why. But anyways, uh, yeah, she's also sort of uh, a little bit antagonistic with him. And they have sort of have a tete-a-tete. At like, one point, she's like, are you a doctor? What do you know? And then he's like, are you a reporter? And I was like, well, Cole check. I don't know if that works. <laughs> at any rate... Um... The the Palmer's still kind of running, uh, running, running around, kind of rampant because we we get a scene where the incumbent senator Talbot is his name. He's holding a press conference, and the press conference is only happening for him to announce that he's he's taking a little holiday this weekend to the lake, so that we can cut to a scene where he's driving in the dark to his lake, and a a car veers in head on to him on the highway, and just like he just dies in a head on collision. I have a question here though. So the collision happens, he dies. I think the car it literally flips over, and then we see. The dog, this uh, Palmer dog, get out of the car. Now, here's my question for you, Luke. Was he a dog driving the car? <laughs> oh, adorably so. That's what I imagine. It's an adorable dog driving a car head a on into cap. this guy. You had a little driving cap on? Absolutely. It was very funny. Just like wrecked cars everywhere, the dog just gets out and walks away. <laughs> it is it's It bare. is a dangerous strategy. If your strategy is to drive your car into someone else's car, you have to know that you're going to be okay. Oh, 100%. That dog form is untouchable. Mm-hmm. I also also it does seem like Palmer the candidate like he's the people's candidate he's the upstart it seems like he's like on track to win and he's actually like pretty much killed everybody he knows about his past so I was like I'm like wow you really bold the like the two days before the election to murder your opponent I think it's that confidence I think it's like it's not enough to win you have to just decimate your opponent right because you're right he's they keep saying like people like him he's charming he's young he's handsome and they're gonna vote for him he's like it's not enough i still need to destroy everybody too it's it's hits yeah you're right it's just that confidence he has Mm -hmm. and i mean kolchak is kind of like he's seen all these dog attacks happen he's kind of started piecing together something's going on here he tries to pitch vincenzo a a political expose about all the deaths that are happening this election um this one of my favorite lines of this is quote this campaign has had more fatalities than a labor day weekend (laughs) Is that a weekend where there's a lot of fatalities? I guess because of, uh, what do they call Fireworks, right? I, I have no idea. I just, it was such a grim thing. It's such a grim joke to make. <laughs> um, of course, Vincenzo likes the idea of exposés, uh, but hates the dog angle. Uh, he, they never like anything that uh, Kolchak wants to pitch. It's true. And like Kolchak kind of starts looking into dog breeds to figure out what this, like, we're supposed to think this dog is some sort of like unusual breed like they say things that we have we the audience haven't seen like it has red eyes and five toes and they're like oh that's the that's the sound of a wild dog from mm-hmm. asia or africa or something i'm like sure it looks like a rottweiler to me but okay yeah yeah we just like i'll allow it and it's, it's around around this period a a package vincenzo had asked a for a package on palmer from the newspaper in his previous constituency just to get some like background and photos for uh kolchak's um profile on him and in one of the photos there's a there's a shirtless photo of Palmer at a pool. And um, this scene is unnecessary, but it's actually a very cool scene where Kolchak goes into the dark room and has to like use old photo equipment to blow up a photo to get a chance to look at his chest and see that like that, mm-hmm. that satanic necklace is also on his chest. And it's it was a fun, very procedural sequence of seeing how a photo gets blown up. Like it today, this would have just been like someone says, enhance. And yeah. I would have just like zoomed in, but this time they have to like do like a th- like a thirty second, forty five second. And did you sequence. see where he made his makeshift uh, black room? No, where was that black room? It was the same bathroom where they have the files. 
because they've used that a lot in the show that yeah. that black room and i'm never sure where it is but that's very so everything happens in that bathroom yeah so it's basically like i i like the idea it's that this office they don't have a lot of space they don't have all the facilities they need so they just make do with what they have that they have a bathroom that has you know their file cabinets and it also you can develop photos in there yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, with all these satanic research he's done and this research on this dog and finally discovering that Palmer also wears the same necklace as the dog, Kolchak's pieced together that he's made a deal with the devil. So he does a real classic Kolchak final act thing as he uh, goes and breaks into his house. Yeah, yeah, he always does. That's it. That's his go-to move. It's such a go-to move. He's always clumsy. He's the clumsiest. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. As soon as I saw him, I'm just like, I can't wait to see how he bumbles this up. I would argue of the multiple multiple leads we've had in tv shows he's the clumsiest oh 100 percent. i don't think i don't think we've ever seen a character a hero character written to be such a such a bumbling fool yeah <laughs> um and he breaks in he overhears uh palmer's wife arguing about the pact with the devil she's just like hey i think maybe we should just you know maybe you should quit this pact with the devil and, and palmer's like i don't know what you think a pact with the devil is but you don't just like you can't yeah. just walk and i like that from... she knows it's not even a thing like she's like what's been happening weird like She's been kind of along for the ride, but now maybe it's getting too intense for her. But she she knows exactly what he's been doing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. She's she's aware of what, what deal has been made to get them where they are. Hey, now let me ask you, Luke. If you're a Satan worshiper, do you have to have a specific dungeon? If. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have to have, That's funny. Do you have to have a specific dungeon? Or do you have to do what uh, we're going to find out later? You just take part of your, your wine cellar and you turn that into a... Uh, into oh, a, yeah. I think you build something makeshift. I don't think you got to build it special. Okay. Because, yes, this is... Uh, after after kind of Kolchak hears this, he goes in... He goes around and just pokes around the man's wine cellar for a bit, breaks a bottle. Yeah, he tr- he, he accidentally breaks a bottle, of course. And, of course, the, the sound draws Palmer to the wine cellar. So I'm not clear if he hears the sound or if he just wants more wine. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, there's, like, a whole thing where Kolchak almost gets caught, and then Palmer goes into, like, through a door, and then when Kolchak goes to check the door, it's just a, it's just a closet full of, full of jackets. I don't entirely understand. I guess there's a, I guess there's a false back that Kolchak can't find. Yeah, so Kolchak has, has to wander around this really large wine cellar until he basically, like, peeks his head around and sees, and sees Palmer in his, uh, his, his satanic ritual room. Yeah, he's no like dressed like uh, like Anton Lavey or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robes on. He, he finishes his whole ritual, and it just goes to how cool and collected Palmer is. He finishes his ritual. He pours a couple glasses of wine. He's like, "I love it." Oh, Jack, come on out. I know you're back there. Just come on out, yeah, man. Yeah, th- without hesitation. He's not like, "I'm gonna stop my ceremony, stop my." chanting or praying or whatever it is he's just like let me finish he's like all right Kolchak come on out you can't beat me yeah he's just like listen Kolchak here's the thing I yes I made a deal with the devil but you know what I could use I could use a reporter on my side how would you mm-hmm. like to work with me and Satan we could all team up and he kind of <laughs> and he's like he knows all of Kolchak's like secret hopes and dreams which is great it's like our our deal with the devil where we just got this podcast they're all very minor yeah well th- that it is interesting because there's uh, this implication that they can somehow read people's minds or feelings or know their desires. And it's stuff like, I'll help you win the Pulitzer and you can get a job at a better newspaper. And uh, that's that's a nicer chair. That's right. That's right. And of course, if he doesn't want to do that, uh, sorry, Coljack, it's blood sacrifice time, I guess. Yeah, you've got one good option and one bad option. Yeah. And of course, Kolchak's just like, so can I have the night to think about it? And he kind of makes a run for it. He's like, I got to get out of here. Um, there's a bit of a chase sequence happens. He turns back into the dog, and I, I guess Kolchak, this sequence is a little nebulous. It's still kind of fun, but, like, the dog chases him. 
Kolchak had stolen a bottle of holy water off of Miss Emily's desk that she'd brought back from Italy with her. I actually kind of, like, think I they seeded that pretty well because they do they mention it at the beginning of the episode. Like, I knew it was coming back later for sure. It was Chekhov's holy water. Yeah. He he hucks it at... This is where I got a little confused. He, like, he just hucks the holy water at a corner and is like, well, why did you do that, Kolchak? But I guess his plan is the dog eventually leaps on top of him. He pulls... He, as before, he pulls the necklace off because he knows this is the weak spot for Palmer. Hucks the satanic necklace into the holy water puddle that he's made. And uh, the, the necklace starts to dissolve in the holy water. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, how do you beat this guy? We know that once you take the necklace off, he sort of can't come back to human form. So they kind of play with that a little bit. I mean, they don't, I don't know why holy water would melt this necklace, but you just go, all right, that's, that's how this villain gets defeated. I mean, you get the idea that he, Kolchak only knows that might be a weakness. So he does it. And the, to, to this dog's credit, man, this dog has a bunch of close-ups where it watches this necklace melt. Does a great job. Looks very <laughs> forlorn. Looks very forlorn as it watches it melt. And then the dog, after it melts, sort of. I, here's the, here's the weird thing. The dog sort of becomes a nice dog, right? Yeah, it, it becomes a good boy. So, but here's the question: Is it still Palmer, or did it now just gain the consciousness of a normal dog, or was he turning into a dog that pre-existed before, and now it's getting its old consciousness back? Yeah, that's what I think happened. I think that a dog made a deal with the devil to be Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> right it just it just uh, seemed weird it was just like at the end i'm like shouldn't the dog just disappear but it becomes like a normal dog i was like well i don't know i think what they're trying to imply is that basically once the necklace melts palmer loses his soul to the devil so that maybe palmer's no longer in there and now there's just a dog but it, right. it's yeah it's not fair like i'm just like wouldn't palmer be more pissed now that he's stuck in dog <laughs> exactly yeah but maybe not maybe he's just like oh i'm so glad to be free of that pact and being a dog is cool yeah He's like, I could run around. <laughs> yeah, and anyway, the whole episode wraps up with the classic Kolchek final monologue where he where he explains it once again. Vincentes rejected his story. There's a popular the popular explanation for the disappearance of Palmer. So there's now no political candidates in this election. But the popular the popular explanation is that radicals abducted him and killed him. Yeah. Oh, and they also mentioned that his wife got away. Yeah, his wife has also disappeared with her dog. He's just like, hope they're having a nice life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyways but it ended up being a pretty good episode like it's again i think what we mentioned at the beginning it's a harder episode to explain and kind of uh figure your way through because it's a little bit more nebulous but this was i think a well-structured well written well done episode and it didn't need a vampire or a werewolf or uh one of those traditional villains we still had Kolchak solving a mystery, but yeah. for us, the audience, we didn't have to, like, we knew the end of the mystery. So as a reward, we got to watch the villain be fun and be villainous and, like, yeah. do things. And it was it ended up just being more fun of, as an episode. I agree. Well, that's a good segue to our next episode. Here is the IMDb summary for episode eight, Bad Medicine. F. Scott Fitzgerald once wrote, the rich are different than you and me. They sure are. They got more money. But there wasn't enough money in the world to save some of the members of Chicago's upper crust from a fiendish force so dark it can only be called diabolic. A creature which takes animal forms and uses its hypnotic eyes to incapacitate and kill wealthy matrons is stalking Chicago. I got a better title for this episode. Bad episode. Bad <laughs> <laughs> episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, this time around, the murders we get to watch at the top are just like wealthy older women, I guess, who are in uh, uh, Chicago's upper crust. Yeah. There's like a, a, 
a self-made millionaire on her uh she's a bra maker who became a millionaire yeah i like that all the old ladies kind of look like you would think a tv representation of like a rich old lady like it's like you know pearls around their necks and sort of thing direct from central casting my friend (laughs) she's she's hanging out at home having a drink after a hard a hard night out and a a raven very edgar Allan poe style knocks on her window with its Mm -hmm. beak and then smashes through the window lands on her coffee table and i guess hypnotizes her with its eyes um to to take off her giant she has a giant like gem on her chest that it Mm -hmm. wants and he she hands it to it and the the crow then transforms into the uh this is i believe what the show calls it the diablo yeah played by richard richard keel yes the uh james bond villain jaws is in this unfortunately james bond villain jaws is spray tanned and playing an indigenous man which is very uncomfortable yeah here's the thing you immediately lose at least one point just for that you got just just only one though well, I would say at least just just off that because it's just it's not good. It's a bad. It's a bad. I mean, later we'll actually see him uh, Kolchak talk to a bunch of indigenous people, all played by white people as well, and it's just like, "Oof, you guys, this is this is a rough rough trend in 2022." Yeah. Now, I didn't do any research, but this is going to be the uh, about this actual mythology. I'm assuming this is all a made up all mythology. All made up. Yeah. It just sort of seemed like it too, and what I thought was it kind of was a bummer because I'm sure there were actual traditions and actual stories you probably could have pulled from that maybe would have made this feel a little bit more interesting. But it just kind of seemed like, I don't know, it just seemed like this exotic, uh, thro- throwing something in because it, that's exoticism, very similar to that sort of gypsy we had uh, uh, previously. But this is worse. Yeah, th- I mean, this is this is all this is all the worst you've ever seen of uh, how Indigenous people are treated on television. Every every moment of it is uh, is uh, bad, bad bad medicine jordan yeah 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 um anyway uh he takes the gems he uses his hypno eyes to cause her to cut her wrists and then next we see him at another person's house the diablo has transformed into a coyote this time lots of animal acting was it a coyote though i don't think it was a coyote i think it was a coyote they kept saying i don't know it didn't look like a coyote to me anyways but yes what we've learned about uh what was the i can't never pronounce it what's the the the, diablero diablero so what we've learned is it can turn into different animals, or at least mm-hmm. a crow and a coyote, maybe a coyote, and it can also uh, mesmerize people or hypnotize with its eyes. That's sort of, yeah, that's its thing, is it's it's going around, it's stealing rich old ladies' jewels, and then using its hypno eyes to cause them to kill themselves, basically. I gotta give it to this, though. This old, the second old woman, she comes home from the opera, finds her dog with its throat ripped out on the floor. This coyote steps out around the corner. She pulls a big hairpin out of her hair, like a big spiky one, and she's just gonna fucking go at this coyote. She's like ready to, she's ready to rumble, and I'm just like, this lady rocks. But unfortunately, can turn into a crow. He can fly away. Hypno eyes. It gets her in the end. <laughs> um, Kolchak, of course, he 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 already finds the police's the police ruling that these were both suicides very sus. He's just like, I don't, I don't believe this for one second. And uh, it's great. Miss Emily, the only person in the office on his side, is just like. It's true. None of them fit the profile of depression-based suicides. And she starts, like, spatting all these facts, really helping, helping uh, him out with Vincenzo. Mm-hmm. And I actually think they miss a huge beat here because, basically, Vincenzo's like, fine, maybe there is a story here, but Kolchak, you're, like, a bum. You're never going to get anything out of talking to the upper crust. Like, look at you. Like, no one's ever going to trust you in that world. And Kolchak's so offended. He's just like, you know what? I'm going to go buy a new wardrobe, and I'm going to prove you all wrong. And I thought for sure we were about to see a makeover scene. Yeah, but it, we don't have that. 
He doesn't even change his clothes. I was so disappointed. I was like, I was like, I was so excited to see Upper Crust Kolchak. That would have been Auto Man. That's true. He would have just, put, but he would have just sort of like Cursor would have come out and like changed his outfit for him. Yeah. At any rate, uh, of course, Kolchak's police scanner picks up a, uh, a a robbery and a gem exchange. So Kolchak rushes over there. He just he's always at the forefront of it. He he like literally raids the building with the police as they come in. Yeah, I think this was this was done well. I'll give it to uh, this part of the episode. The the cop right off the bat knows who he is. He's like Kolchak, get out of here. Kolchak ignores him, runs in with what is essentially like a SWAT team type yeah people. They all go in, and he's the only one that's not part of the police department. And then they get into the room, and he's like Kolchak, I told you to get out of here. He still doesn't go away. Then they run all the way up the stairs. They actually see the what are we going to call this guy? The the Diablero. In human form. They see him in human form. Yeah, and they, chase they see him, him in coyote form, and then they see him in human form. They don't see him change, but he, they see both of these things in the gem exchange. Yeah, and then he, but the, by the time they get to, he goes to the roof and jumps off. He sort of Batmans off the roof, and they don't know where yeah, he goes. He turns to raven form, and he gets away with a, a million-dollar sapphire. <laughs> yeah. Um, we end up with just a bunch of, like, some of these scenes are fun, but they're mostly wheel, there's a lot of wheel spinning in this episode. Like, I'm going to just bang off a whole bunch of scenes just spin burn time in this episode is like Kolchak sneaks into a squad room at the police station so he can call ballistics and pretend to be a cop to get to get ballistics information that was a good scene though it's a good scene uh, useless to the episode but it's a good sequence like Kolchak's good in it it's well written total burn time and then like what, what's the next one he goes to visit an ex-con who used to cut uh, stolen jewels who works as a barber now it's a good scene unnecessary like no he doesn't learn anything new it's not that helpful yeah well because uh... The, the problem with this episode, I mean, there's multiple, multiple problems, is you're right. All these scenes are good. The actual watching him investigate and building the world stuff like, now he has someone else he goes to. This barber used to be a mafia guy. I thought that was good. Like, those sorts of things work. The problem is, you know right off the bat, I guess in a similar way to the previous episode, that it's this uh, some sort of mythological indigenous entity, but all we just need to know is, how do you beat this thing? So that's too quick an answer so they just spin their wheels yeah i mean you know the barber thing is just like well i haven't seen the jewels for sale on the street so he must be a collector i'm like oh cool that's what i learned from this four minutes is he's a collector great like at some point he goes to a dog kennel and it's a fun scene where he like gets menaced by a dog but it's all just to learn that like it's just all for the dog kennel owner to be like it's a coyote when we learn that he's a collector shouldn't he have been turning to a magpie instead of a crow uh, yeah, maybe. I thought maybe. it was a raven, maybe. I don't know what A raven, was. you're I right. I think it's a raven. No, I think it's a raven, you're right. But it should have been a magpie. Uh, and then he, like, he heads to the university and talks to the collections curator of, of American Indians, and she just happens to have, like, a uh, a statue dressed up just like the Diablo. See, that scene, that scene didn't work. It was like, hey, we've got some props uh, left over from crappy westerns, and they're all around, and he's walking around. He's like, "Nope, that doesn't look like it. That doesn't look. Hey, look, this costume is standing right here. That's that looks like a costume." She's like, "Oh, that happens to be the costume of the Diablero." And then blah blah blah, give all this information. I'm like, "Okay, sure." I know, I know. And then this is actually a very fun sequence, but also is just total wheel spinning. But like, at one point, Kolchak needs to find the address of a ge- a private gem auction that's happening that he's heard about. So he does this weird telephone thing where he calls the office and had and gets miss emily to help him con updike out of the information it's a it's like a fun scene for those three characters but like like that's all it is like it's so much work to just get an address yeah so it's the joke is that so he can get to this auction and pretend to be someone else but the funny thing about this and i thought again it was done well in this episode was that he tries multiple times to get into the auction 
and they won't let him in. Like they, it's not one of those things where like, oh, this checks out. Like he tries an identity, it doesn't work, and then he admits he's uh, a reporter. It's they still won't let him in. Like it's like he eventually has to kind of sneak his way, which makes the whole kind of process a little bit pointless. But I did like the the realism of you know not having the usual. You're the sausage king of Chicago, so you can get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. Because the actor's so good and the writing works for those sequences, they're like they are fun to watch in the moment. But in the, it, it's almost just like all of these are great scenes. In yeah, a they very just don't bad add up episode. to anything. Yeah. So it's just like it's so hard because you know they mean nothing in the end because yeah, eventually he just sneaks into the auction. He he peeks through a door. It's a very private auction. There's like four people and they're looking at gemstones. And then the raven smashes through a window, hypnotizes and murders everyone immediately. Yeah. And then Kolchak throws open the door so he can take photos of the body and the Diablero like he likes to do. And, of course, with all Kolchak villains, the Flash blinds Diablero so, so he can't hypnotize him. How many has it been now at this point? Have Do we know how many have really disliked the Flash? I would say three for sure. The alien yeah. was stopped because of the wine of the Flash, not the actual wine. That's right. Uh, then the, de- the devil dog, it was mostly that it like upset it and that's why he attacked him last episode. And then this episode, it truly does stop the Diablero from being able to hypnotize him because it blinds his eyes or something. Oh, and we should say they, they, how they de- uh, define this, I'm going to say creature, this entity, is he, she says, the, the lady from the museum, she says, it's a strange figure in indigenous stories, a man who can step into a different reality. Yes. So, and I don't know if that really defined anything, but I was like, is he, is he, is he stepping into a different reality? And they just don't, they're making up a creature that they want to sound authentic, but it's just, it's all like, this is what happens. It's like that curator calls her back to her office because she's like, oh, this, these indigenous people want to talk to you about it. And it's like, just like, not good. But like, yeah. they basically are there to explain it. So it's like, D.L. this particular one, apparently there are lots of them, but this particular one they happen to know has a curse on it. It needs to make an eternal treasure and his apology for the treasure it sold from the gods. So it just wanders around stealing jewels trying to make this eternal treasure, I guess. Yeah, and they, I think they later on say quickly, uh, if not explicitly, that all these sort of famous jewel heists over last, whatever, 500 years have all been due to this guy? Well, that's the end. The the, the, fine, the closing narration is Kolchak just up out of nowhere says, hey, he's been stealing jewels for 300 years. Remember Queen Elizabeth's crown jewels or Nicholas First's yeah. Nicholas the first star sapphire maybe it was him and i'm just like dude what also kolchak not very good reporter yeah this this is this is some of your worst writing i hope vintage doesn't publish it yeah um, oh but, but but we do find out though the uh the indigenous people that for some reason are standing in a line at this uh museum waiting to tell him information we find out that the character is also essentially a medusa and can't and can't see itself yeah, yeah if you, you show it. itself in a mirror, you kill the thing. It's it's all so dumb. Yeah. It's all awful to watch these white people in these wigs. It's all terrible. Yeah, it's like from uh um what was those Roddenberry? Like the planet Earth type kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 all it's all very unpleasant to watch. Uh, anyway, Kolchak also happens to recall a story that he heard Updike working on at the beginning of the episode about a skyscraper whose developers went under, so they were only able to ever like get people into the first five floors of this like 40 story building. And because the, the mythology heard about the Avalara was that it was, it used to live in cliff sides. He's just like, well, if it used to live in cliff sides, it must be living in this empty skyscraper. I, I guess know. it was such a large mental leap. One would have to take, but because they only have seven minutes left in the episode, they've got to, I mean, even the model, even the, like the voiceover is Kolchak being like, 
It was a long shot, but what was I going to do? The episode yeah, was almost he, over. And then he pretends to be like a neon light salesman to get into the building. It doesn't really matter. The only part that's fun about it is that he has to climb all 39 flights of stairs. And then you just see you just see the actor getting progressively sweatier. Yeah, that's right. Again, it's, it's the shame with this episode is of all the episodes we've seen, and I think we've seen eight now, this has some of the funniest scenes and some of the quirkiest little uh, investigative scenes. And it's a shame that it's in service of a not good episode. Yeah, one of their worst. <laughs> he gets up there. He find, of course, finds the Diablero. It's just throwing the jewels into a fireplace. Sure, why not? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't? I thought it was going to be a scene where we had it sort of like again, like a magpie. Like there would have been, I don't know how to say, it, like like a layer or something that had all these jewels all over the place. Like it was creating. Uh, well, something. we're told it's supposed to be making an eternal treasure, and it's just like just throwing gems into a fire pit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kolchak, of course, has brought a hand mirror with him. Because he's Kolchak, he immediately drops it and, and breaks, breaks it. it. We get a little chase sequence where he runs around this unfinished skyscraper until he finally does find a mirror, at which point he just holds it up and uh, defeats the Diablero, which, great defeat sequence. Oh, yeah, because it, like, starts smoking, and then it, like, melts, and then gets... It just... Every time they cut back, it gets worse and worse looking. Yeah, it cuts It cuts to him, it's smoking, and he's, like, face is melting off, and then it cuts, and it's just a skull that's puffing smoke on the ground. Yeah, and then it becomes ash, and then I think he even later says in his voiceover, there wasn't anything. Like, I guess the ash just disappeared. Yeah, it's just like, and that was the end of Diablo Era. What an episode, everybody. Yeah, it was a bad one. And that's that's it. Like that was the episode. It was not it was such. The show seemed to be getting better, and then it just like it's just like, oh, you're gonna do these again now. But it, you're right. That's what it was. It's uh, you said at the beginning. They tried to do a vampire, werewolf, Jack the Ripper type episode, but they didn't have that sort of uh, known character that we all sort of is just in the cultural zeitgeist. So they're like, we'll just make something up and then fit it into that the bones that structure, and it just doesn't work and it's such a bummer because so much of the episode other than the actual plot is fun and you can see the show hitting its stride in terms of that but like oh man for you know this was one would not make the best of list no no i mean it's like and it you could feel it like those sequences that are kind of fun just don't do anything for like don't service the plot it's just like we have like 20 minutes of plot we need to fill 20 minutes of episode 40 minutes of episode but you know we're eight episodes into the show now and i think that is what we can take from it is kolchak is one of the strongest characters i think we've seen in a tv show the actual structure of the show is good it works i don't mind the monster of the week where the show either rises or falls is based on the villain and in my opinion the better episodes are ones where it's a villain we've never heard of, but it's like, you know, an entity or something. And and this sort of getting into weird cultural stereotypes and things just don't work for the show at all. Yeah, when it's just like some super villain, he has to like go th- like anytime they go back to that that vampire that like th- they have to do those beats where it's just like the same beats over. And over. It just doesn't work. Even the vampire regretted this because you saw things more from the vampire's perspective. Like, well, and also no perspective. it worked. We, we already we already did that. The the point of the vampire was it was so or in Jack the Ripper. They're so strong. How do you defeat this thing? It's like, well, he has to do something because he's not a physical person. He has to find another way around it. It's like, great, we've had that episode. So you, you don't do that episode anymore. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, because they wanted to make this guy this, like, uh, Richard Keel is a seven foot two actor. He's an imposing figure. Uh, he's not an indigenous person. But uh, I don't know. It just it just didn't work. It's just, it was, a, honestly, I was watching these two episodes. 
we hadn't uh, we came back and had a little break watching these and i watched the seventh one i was like man this show i really enjoy it then i watched the eighth and i was like ah this show sucks <laughs> <laughs> yeah that it was a real dichotomy these two episodes also i i, I am i'm obsessed with uh, two weeks in a row just like a lot of animal acting <laughs> yeah that's true that's true anyway let's yeah you want to get into rating these yeah yeah let's do it what do you think uh, why don't you go first for episode seven uh, uh bad bad religion what was it called the devil's, the devil's platform. platform yeah <laughs> um i'm gonna i'm gonna say this right off the bat i am a real fan of the genre of uh 70s satanic panic stuff mm-hmm. and this was like it's not the strongest version of those things but it like it's satanic panic all over the place yeah, like, yeah. That your politicians are in bed with the devil kind of stuff um tom Sterk is great in it i honestly had a great time it's it's just still lots of problems there's a few problems and it's not like the best episode they've done but there's a lot of fun in the episode i'm gonna give it a, i'm gonna give it a 7.5 i'm pretty close to you i'm gonna give it a seven there was something that didn't quite hit i think the highest it's hit which i think was that episode about the the alien i think was the best episode so far but this is this was a much much stronger episode so seven out of ten yeah it's, it's, it was a lot it was a lot of fun and then and then there's bad medicine which is just like it's such a bad like and we've we we have I've, I've talked about all the good pieces of it and it makes it sound like I liked it a lot more than I did. I, I really, it was hard to watch. It was so boring. It was so long. I don't know. I think I'm just going to go like, I'm going to be hard. I think I'm going to give it a one. There you go. See, I'm, I'm not going to go as hard. I'm going to give it a five out of 10, which maybe is better than it, it should get. But the reason I'm going to say is everything other than the main plot works really well in this show. So you have to give credit for that. It's unfortunately the villain doesn't work. Uh, it's hard to watch in 2022. It's an offensive uh, portrayal and I, I mean I, i'll i'll take off half the marks for that so it loses five marks for that but i'll still give it a five out of ten because i still like kolchak i like that they've added emily as a character i like the investigative parts i just the villain sucked that's what's so crazy is there's so like i like emily i like all the little bits but it just like all like it all added up to nothing like yeah i was watching the investigations and i was bored so i'm like oh, i can't wait for this nut to amount to zero well because you also know because the villain isn't defined very well, you knew that it was going to be a lame end, and it was. It's like, oh yeah, he showed a mirror. It's like, okay, you could have done that twenty minutes ago. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. Like you, you told us that two minutes ago. The only way to beat his mirror, I'm like, oh, what tension then? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Anyway, well, that wraps it up for uh, these two episodes of Kolchak. Uh, hopefully, I, I'm a little worried. I get the feeling that maybe we're going to start shifting to more Bad Madison episodes than we are to Devil's Platform episodes. But I think it's going to be sort of hit and miss as we go. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried that this is the tipping point. I'm I just it's something about the way these two episodes came back to back. Just I'm sorry, I'm really worried we're at a tipping point. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but if you want to email us, we're at uh, continuedrag@gmail.com is that address. And then on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have uh, some clips from this show, some dog acting, uh, Milton guy that was good, a Milton a Milton man, some crow acting. <laughs> we're gonna have it all. <laughs> Yeah. Raven. It was a Raven, right? Raven. Yes. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, But listener, thank you so much for joining us. And Jordan, I'll see you next week. See you then. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.